Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Reactions are pouring in after the White House admitted that classified documents were indeed found at President Biden's previous private office. And today's Iris Tao has the story, plus some revelations on what the papers may actually contain. I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office. But I don't know what's in the documents. Biden's under fire for classified documents discovered at Penn Biden Center, which is in the building right behind me. The documents were from Biden's time as vice president. They were found by Biden's personal lawyers just six days before the midterm elections. But the White House only admitted to it yesterday. The White House tells CNN that Biden was unaware what those documents were. But the outlet is reporting today that they included 10 classified documents about Ukraine, Iran and the UK. And some were labeled as top secret. Where's the FBI raid? Republicans and former President Trump are saying there's a double standard since the FBI raided Trump's Mar-a-Lago home over classified documents. Biden took classified documents with him and held them for years and criticized President, former President Trump. I wonder why the press isn't asking the same questions of him as vice president taking classified documents that they were asking President Trump. And just four months ago, Biden said this about documents found at Trump's home. How that could possibly happen, how one, anyone could be that irresponsible. Democrats, meanwhile, are calling such criticism. Republican hypocrisy at its finest. What President Biden did was disclose this to the archives. Meanwhile, an ethics watchdog group tells NTD the think tank involved here could have funding ties with China. We uh, have information that the University of Pest has received millions of dollars of Chinese money. We believe some of that went to the Biden Center. Who knows whether there's some documentation of these classified documents that do involve China. So it's really suspicious here, and this calls for a full investigation with subpoena power by the committees. The Department of Justice is reviewing the found documents, and Republicans are now adding this matter to their growing list of investigations. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. To discuss Biden's classified documents, I just sat down with Idaho Congressman Russ Fulcher. I also had a chance to ask him about the direction of the 118th Congress and the contested process to determine Speaker of the House. Congressman Russ Fulcher, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. Um, there's news surfacing as we speak where uh, President Biden right now is taking some heat because of the documents that were found in the Biden uh, Penn Center for Diplomacy, which is actually ironically located in this building that we're in right now on the sixth floor. Um, when it comes to uh, taking, um, you know, donations and, and, and influence, if you will, from the CCP, how big of an issue do you think this is? These are things that have been let's face it, swept under the rug, okay? Uh, there's been a, a very uh, friendly media, very friendly bureaucracies. Uh, the intelligence community has been very friendly to the existing administration. And so we don't know what the details of these things are. Even the January 6th commission was very one-sided. And so now, for the first time, uh, we will get another look at these situations. What are in these documents? Was it? 
Was it uh, appropriate? Was it not? Was there personal gain that came out of some of these things? Hunter Biden, the laptop, all of that? Uh, it's, it's been pushed aside. And so I think, frankly, that's one of the things that drove the election outcome the way that it did. Uh, I was surprised it wasn't a little bit more of a swing, frankly, but the American people are asking questions just like you did. Is this legitimate? Is it not? What are you going to do about it? Now's our opportunity to do something about it. So at the very least, when it comes to these documents being found, whether or not they're on the same level of what was found at Mar-a-Lago, um, there are concerns that there may be a double standard in the way that they are treated versus the former president. I don't think, so. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, once again, go back to the January 6th commission. I mean, it was very one-sided. They started with a verdict, said, okay, now we're going to go substantiate our verdict. Uh, uh, the, the Biden laptop, we we've, we've know for a fact now, FBI knew about it before the election uh, and, and constrained information about that. We now know, thank you Elon Musk, that, uh, uh, that people were suppressed trying to, uh, to expose that. And so with all these ingredients coming to light, of course there's a double standard. I mean, we've, we felt that here on the Republican side, media-wise, uh, access to information-wise, uh, restrictions on how we communicate and, and uh, censor, uh, censorship with, with uh, some of our communications versus some of our colleagues on the Democrat side. Uh, the, the, the double standard is, is no secret, at least to me and to our colleagues on the Republican side. Congressman, I want to ask you about the uh, rules package that was negotiated by members of the House Freedom Caucus uh, with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, some, when the vote came last night, said that, uh, you know, it potentially might not go through because they thought McCarthy maybe gave away too much. In the end, it did. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, it's, it's interesting because I think we've been conditioned to uh, the Nancy Pelosi way of, of doing business, which is a very heavy-handed speaker. And uh, the rules that she had uh, with the support of her conference were very empowering to the speaker and quite frankly minimizing to most members of Congress. Even uh, uh, from what I understand under Speaker Boehner, it was a lot more control in the, uh, in the speaker's gavel. But uh, with, with these new rules, it, it kind of goes back to it was even pre-Boehner as speaker. And, you know, frankly, that's, uh, I think that's just a good thing uh, because each member has a little bit more ability to maneuver, has a little bit more say in terms of amendments, the actions on the floor, a little bit more notice when we get bills that, uh, that, that we want to go through, especially big ones. Overall, I think it was a very good thing and uh, uh, We'll get used to that, I think, real quick. Well, now that you are officially, um, you know, in power, the, the House uh, GOP, what are some of the top things that you think uh, have you most excited that you guys are going to push? You for? know, it's, it's those things, at least in my home state of Idaho, that I get questioned all the time about. And it's also things that were involved with the commitment to America, if, if you recall that. Border security, you know, acting on that and making sure that we've got a homeland security that's that's funded and can do their job. The 87,000 IRS agents that got passed through here a few months ago, that was a, a very, very uh, disheartening thing to, to certainly my constituents, and I think across the country. So the agenda to defund that or pull the plug on the funding was just huge. Concerns about China. 
uh, you know, they've had a very aggressive posture for a long time. And, and now to put some uh, strategic uh, commission in place to take a look at not just competitiveness, but also uh, the maneuvers that they're making and the aggression going on there and what's the appropriate response from the, U from the U.S. For those of us who are pro-life, and I definitely fall in that category, the born alive part of the agenda, huge deal. Why shouldn't uh, infants have the same rights as, as, as children when it comes to uh, the right to live once they're born? Now these are things that a lot of us, at least in the state of Idaho, take for granted that, hey, of course you would want to do that. but. Congress and all of our previous wisdom have, have taken actions against that. So those are just a few of the things. Energy production is another one. Here we are, all of us are paying astronomical prices on, uh, on, on fuel and energy resources. So okay, let's, let's get into that. Let's improve the access back on federal lands, get our energy autonomy back, uh, our self-sufficiency. Those are primary planks with this agenda coming up. All of them are very, very good and can't happen soon enough. Congressman Russ Fulcher, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. The new Republican-controlled House has wasted no time executing their agenda, defunding the IRS top on their list in voting to do just that. Here to assess, we're happy to have with us President of the Taxpayer Protection Alliance, David Williams. David Williams, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. David, the House has uh, voted to essentially defund the IRS from what it seems uh, in the first order of business since uh, Kevin McCarthy took the gavel. If you could, tell us what this actually means. So this is a great first step by the House of Representatives and the Republicans because what this does, it shows their priority. Whenever you have a new Congress and you know the first pieces of legislations are the ones that they want to do or that you know top priority and defunding the IRS and these 87,000 new agents it shows that this is top of mind for republicans and quite frankly it should be top of mind for democrats and all americans so we're hoping that this is just the beginning to not only defund the IRS but bring more accountab accountability to the agency that is in desperate need of accountability so this will still need to pass the Senate. Uh, what are your thoughts on the on the chances of that? Will they get a Democrat or two to vote um, for it? And are there alternative ways, if they can't, uh, that the House might be able to achieve their objectives? So the Senate's going to be tough. The Senate is controlled by Democrats and some moderate Republicans. So this may not make it through uh, the Senate, which is unfortunate because. Uh, Middle-class Americans, lower-income you know, Americans are hit by the IRS every day, and we see that these audits are directed at lower-income folks, not higher-income folks. But again, this is probably not going to happen through the Senate. But that doesn't mean the House should give up on this, and there might be other ways to do this uh, through the appropriations process and you know, hold hearings. Bring the IRS officials in, talk about you know, who they're going to audit, where the money is going to be spent, and really just bring some much-needed transparency to the whole process. So you just touched upon it there. Uh, I'd like to get your, you know, your thoughts. Is there any truth uh, to the news that you just mentioned that the IRS has more of a focus on lower-income earners versus the higher you know, millionaire, billionaire class in terms of audits, or is it more of an issue of pr proportion? So this isn't anecdotal. There's actually reports that are put out every year that show that if you live in the Mississippi Delta region, which is a very poor part of the country, you have a higher chance of being audited than if you live in Westchester, New York, 
which is a very wealthy part of the country. And the IRS has admitted this, and they say that it's easier to get money from lower-income people because it's easier to intimidate them. If you're Bill Gates and you make you know billions of dollars a year and the IRS knocks on your door, you're hiring an army of CPAs, of lawyers, to try to get out of this tax bill. If you are a lower-income, even middle-income folks, that get a bill from the IRS that's, say, you know, $1,000, you don't have the resources to, to fight that, and you're going to try to come up with some sort of settlement from the IRS to just, you know, move on. And that's why the IRS does this, is they know. And again, this isn't anecdotal. There are reports every year that show that this is exactly what's happening. And there's no reason to believe it's not going to continue to happen, because the IRS wants more of our money. David, last question before I let you go. Is there a solution to reducing the logjam or the backlog, if you will, um, at the Internal Revenue Service? Because there's no doubt that they are currently um, heavily burdened. So there's two solutions. One is technology, is you have these computer systems at the IRS that are 10, 20, 30 years old. But that's not the only problem. Another problem is we're giving the IRS too much responsibility. Remember during COVID, they sent out relief checks, the earned income tax credit for children. So they are getting so much more involved and they're taking on so much more responsibility that they're forgetting that people want their tax refunds. And that's really the primary business. And you know, people may remember that a billion dollars worth of stimulus checks were sent to dead people. And this, not even making this up, the IRS said the reason we did this was no one told us we can't. So the IRS was waiting for a member of Congress or someone to tell them not to send checks to dead people. There was no common sense in the agency that told them not to do it. So that's the agency we're dealing with at, at, at this point, and that should concern a lot of Americans, if not all Americans. David Williams, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.